0: Observe Hello everyone and welcome to episode number fifteen of the Observe and Report Show. I'm Kyle Brennan, joined as ever by my beautiful
1: co host Keith. Keith, how are we doing today? Couldn't be better, pal. Couldn't be better. I've realized that's like our uh it's like my thing. I've said that every single time. Couldn't be better. Couldn't be better, pal. Couldn't be better. I say that every single time. I guess that's good. But it's going to be a shirt one day. Couldn't, couldn't be couldn't better. Couldn't be better, pal. Yeah? Yeah. I guess that's good. There's nowhere, nowhere to improve. Yeah. You're I really mean, how fine. much better can you be? We live in America, dude. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, speaking of America, did you see what happened in the, uh, what was that, the Senate chamber? The oh, controversy over there. The,
0: the sex tape. Mm the sex i i didn't read into it at all oh i just boy. saw a headline that there was a sex tape leaked of a congressional staff member or something i've talked on the show in, in the capitol
1: building yeah i've talked on the show about how i watch people get their heads cut off sometimes and stuff like that <laughs> yeah sure so i go on those websites a lot right yeah those are was was like, oh, bookmarked this is, for you
0: huh those are bookmarked for you
1: yeah you know it's to me it just reminds you to be careful while driving and don't go to brazil things like that you know what i mean so uh, but I knew it would be on there, the video, and I saw it. And oh, the the video is out. Yeah. I saw it. Wait, what, can you disclose what so website this is? That it's called to? the YNC.com. I don't okay. know what YNC stands for. Yeah. But um it, This show is brought to you by it, YNC.com. It, the YNC. <laughs> by the way, we would do horribly on that website. <laughs> Dude, it's a, look, it's important to be informed what's going on out there. Sometimes some create like anyway, I saw the video and yeah, dude. Like the and the person filming. It's like the person. Uh, oh, there was
0: a third person there. No, no, filming? that's
1: what I'm saying. The the top, I guess. Yeah, he is like filming. Oh, it's, the, a, it's, the a act. A P- it's a POV. Correct. And um, he's filming the POV, and then he lifts up, and you can tell it's the Senate Chamber. He even goes to the back where the big like se- like uh, crest is for the Senate, and you're like, dude, that's really it. Wow. He, they're really in there.
0: But to this point, was it like his wife or I feel like it'd be kind of lame if it was his wife. Oh, Kyle, it's got to be. I don't know any of this. It's a gay I, man. Oh, <laughs> you didn't say that. <laughs> no, I, I'm, when I said, no, I literally, not I literally just saw the headline,
1: like, you know, a newsletter. Sex tape leaked. And just, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um yeah it's a gay couple uh-huh. and a couple i don't know if they're a couple but it, it, whatever um it's, oh, it was gay know. sex dude in the senate hearing and not the hearing in the chamber um yeah and uh it's funny that everyone's making a big deal about this and whatever and they should you know it's like you know it's kind of like a a place where you shouldn't do that right even if like no matter what kind of it's sex it's like something that's not supposed to be going on in there right and uh George Santos, the Republican guy who's been in a lot of trouble lately. Yeah. He was getting grilled by some reporter about what he does. I'm so obviously chewing us in. I've never done it before. It's <laughs> my first time. Yeah, it's it's hard it's hard to keep it in there.
0: Yeah, when is. you're talking. Um, uh-huh.
1: Anyway, but he said all the things they're going after him for. He goes, "If you asked anyone in government these questions and grilled them the way you're grilling me right now, all of them would be guilty." All of these people out there who are who, with what, the suits and what the ties. Kind of,
0: what kind of questions you mean?
1: You know, just like so. How much have you ever lied? Who, wh- wh- where's the extent of your lying gone to? Have oh, you lied God, about yeah. you know collecting money? Have you lied about people you've you know? Th- Dude,
0: these type of stories between between Santos and this gay sex tape. Like, yeah. did you watch House of Cards? No, you don't. I mean, House of Cards is a fictional show, mm-hmm. but it is probably the most accurate depiction of yeah. what it's like a docu People like. say, yeah, because like I mean. In some of these shows on about, like, you know, DC, whether it's West Wing or whatever, like, they dramatize everything, right? And you're like, oh, that would never actually happen. And everyone comes together and says, but, like, House of Cards, it's, like, vicious lying, like, murdering, <laughs> scandals, like, back alley drug dealing and hookers. And you're yeah. like, when you watch it, you're like, yeah, this is a little... A little uh you know out of touch and yeah. like
1: exaggerated but then you see stories like this and you're like is it though no, i'm pretty sure no, this is that's accurate that's what santos was hinting on he's like let me tell you something you think i'm in a- you think i'm some anomaly because i lied are you yeah. kidding me he's like bro you don't even know what goes on you got to give him so, a little
0: credit because at least he was v- so just like yeah yeah fuck it yeah, you know, he's like well, well i may as well ride the train and <laughs> yeah. just you know take. T- i mean he really like it was like the uh was it the he name? may
1: as well just been like he was like
0: George Costanza, with, you know, He's like he's like, oh, you want to go there? We're going to yeah, go there. Yeah, like, yeah, just yeah. take the lie as far as you can possibly go until you caught it with your pants down. Yeah. Like well, this guy
1: was. Hmm. That was good. That was a good fun. That actually just that came off the top joke. of the head. I wasn't yeah. even planning that. But yeah, so, and you know what? Is it a big deal? I mean, do I care? Will, will anyone care I mean, in two weeks? Exactly. Right. It's like, it's like Ukraine. No, I mean, no one gives a shit. So it hasn't been disclosed who, who it was. I don't think so. They said it's a Senate member uh, here, uh, uh, a member of the thing. I don't know if I just yeah. I just
0: saw congressional
1: staff. I mean, I don't
0: know if that yeah. Congressional it could be 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 a a,
1: senator. It could be a rep. But what if it's like a uh, the aide to a congresswoman or man or like who? I don't know. I don't know. But hey, I mean, kind of a cool place to. And dude, I knew a girl. Her dad used to work at this uh, hospital on Long Island. So and um, no, no, no. Her boyfriend's dad. And he had keys to this hospital when they were young, and they'd go in there and have sex all the time in like the lobby, in like patients' rooms, like empty ones. So, like, I think this kind of thing goes on. <laughs> maybe clar- you know, there were people in there. You know, in a coma, maybe. I clarify. Who knows? Ones, yeah. You know. But um, I think this kind of thing goes on more than you think it does. Oh, I'm sure. You know.
0: I mean, I've uh, I know stories of people in college going into classrooms and stuff, and yeah, I mean, yeah. people
1: people are nasty. People do it. Anywhere. People like you know, doing it where you're not supposed to. That's a fun yeah. thing. It be makes this. it hot, exciting, whatever. You know, and especially at a place like that where you're like, yeah, tomorrow they've got a big hearing on immigration here and then we're going to... It's a pretty cool God. place to have sex, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I you mean, can say you did that, you know?
0: if If you were to make like a top 10 list, I don't know if I'd put it in there, but mm-hmm. it's got to be
1: top 20 at least. You know, I looked into today, and this is going to sound like bullshit, but I swear me and my coworkers were talking about... Like crazy places to do it, and I looked because someone said, "What about skydiving? Do you think anyone's ever had <laughs> sex while skydiving?" And they have. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Whatever you could imagine, it's been done. Yeah, or tried mm-hmm. under. I mean, underwater. Like, I wonder what the deepest. Like the that's Sub, submarine. A, yeah. Like yeah, a submarine. Yeah, definitely on a submarine. What is, what is that? Like the twenty leagues under the sea club or sure, something. Sure. <laughs> not the mile high club. the 20 leagues under the sea club. Yeah. This kind of thing goes on all the time, dude. But yeah, that day, that's America, baby. That's sure. America. Sure. Um speaking of America, I read a book about um it's not I mean directly related to America, but it did become that. I read The Social Contract by Jean-Jacques Rousseau. Oh what, uh, um, what inspired you to read that? Well, I was looking into... I was... Well, I mean, I was really looking into Shakespeare because I was, for some reason, getting into, like, sonnets and plays and, like, just... You know what it is? Because, you know, when you're a kid, they make you read Shakespeare, and you don't you you barely have a grasp on the English language. Yeah. And they expect you to digest That's true. this guy <laughs> yeah. who was making up words half the time. They really Slang, make you drink, they make you drink out of a fire hose. They're just like, yeah. all right, you just grasp, you know, basic grammar. Right. Here's here's to be or not to be. <laughs> and you're just like, dude, I can't yeah. get a word of this in. So I decided to revisit that whole world of literature and it it and I got into it, but you know, on Wikipedia, you're always going through like the, you click the next blue thing and the next yeah. blue thing. So during, it was like Renaissance, enlightenment, and it got me to this guy, Jean-Jacques Rousseau. And Did, did you know anything about him prior? I heard Rousseau. I've yeah, heard yeah. that name as like a uh, an important...
0: He has some like famous quotes, right? Like, yeah.
1: Um What is it? Man is born Man is born free, free and everywhere he is in chains, which is yeah. the first sentence in the book that I read, The Social Contract by him. Um, the Social Contract... Is, well, first of all, Jean Jean-Jacques Rousseau was a extremely influential, controversial, and innovative political philosopher, writer, composer, painter—like just one of those guys, like, right? Like a genius. What time are we talking? Like seventeen hundreds? Yeah, eighteenth century, and um, he. Was you know Napoleon admired him, George Washington, all our forefathers, all those kind of guys. The he the and just people during the Enlightenment Revolution in general looked up to this guy as like a political theorist. And um, before we get into the book, I I want to you know just say I want to read something from the first page because it's really important. Because these days when you're having a political discussion or a discussion about the culture or society and where it's headed in general, inevitably, in my experience, there's always somebody at the table or in the bar, wherever I'm having the conversation, that's either entirely silent, or if they do add anything to the conversation, it's something like, who cares what you think? Who cares what I think? What gives us the right to talk about this? Like, what difference does it make if we even have our opinions voiced to each other? Like, why can't we just let it go and let it be and organically progress on its own? To those people, I say this, and as does Rousseau, it's it's short, I mean to inquire if, in the civil order, there can be any sure and legitimate rule of administration, men being taken as they are, and laws as they may be. In this inquiry, I shall endeavor always to unite what right sanctions with what is prescribed by interest, in order that justice and utility may in no case be divided. Now, here's the important part. I enter upon my task without proving the importance of the subject. I shall be asked if I am a prince or a legislator to write on politics. I answer that I am neither, and that is why I do it. If I were a prince or a legislator, I should not waste time in saying what wants doing. I should do it or hold my peace. As I was born a citizen of a free state and a member of the sovereign, I feel that, however feeble the influence my voice can have on public affairs, the right of voting on them, makes it my duty to study them. And I am happy when I reflect upon governments to find my inquiries always furnish me with new reasons for loving that of my own country." Now, beautiful. It is beautiful. In other words, he's saying the fact that we have any rights at all to make a vote or raise your hand in agreement. With things that get said on a public or or in a town square, it, it gives you the duty to 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 be informed, to care, to, to to voice your opinion about things, even if you think, you know, you're not a politician, you're 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 not someone who knows anything about political history or ideology or anything like that. You still need to care and voice your opinions. It's very important. Yeah. Because of people, people. He's one of those people, and he ended up influencing. The type of government that we use here today, which is like you know the, the the American experiment, democracy, the systems we use today, it's it's easy to think that that was always there now because it's been yeah. here for a few hundred years. We're all born into it, but that wasn't always there, man. It used right. to be a, a fucking it was <laughs> yeah. chaos out there, dude.
0: I know, and that's why I love reading history because like yeah. you you learn about like human nature and how it works today by reading history Mm -hmm. and like I just read a similar book actually it's called uh I have it right here a little a little history of philosophy by Nigel Warburton and it's basically just like the history's like greatest thinkers philosophers political thinkers too Rousseau is in here there's a chapter on him and it's just like four or five pages on each great you know thinker who changed kind of the social landscape of how people thought, how people Hmm. uh, put together democracy, right? So it starts with like Socrates and Plato, but then it goes into uh, John Locke and Thomas Hobbes and Rousseau and Montesquieu and all these great guys. And when you read some of it, it's funny, like, you know, when you read like, um, you know, the Pythagorean theorem or like Newton's laws of physics and like they sound really groundbreaking, but like, you know. 300 years later, you're kind of like, yeah, well, duh. Like, right, of course. Right, right. But when well, an you, object in motion, but stays when you try motion, to, but when, right? but what I like reading about like history of stuff like this is like when you actually read it and put yourself in that time mm-hmm. and realize like what Rousseau was saying to, to us What's now, revolutionary? it sounds so, yeah, it sounds so obvious back then people were like, oh shit. Like, yeah. Well this Pe- book like was like people matter and right. like our decisions and right. the way we the king know, isn't special yeah and like, the, like he wasn't born mm-hmm. like with just great power with and, God-like and wisdom. wisdom and yeah yeah and like we're all we're, all of our opinions are worthy in some way right. and like our our minds can produce thoughts that you know can help one another and our family and be a community and like it's just funny yeah reading it right and be like yeah like what this guy was such a genius that he thought right. of that but back then so like, i'm saying it's so easy to go yeah now, yeah like you- i was as you brought this up i wanted to flip to because i highlighted yeah you know, read some, some sections of this book and, yeah 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 um the rousseau one it's hard to remember like what what rousseau said because there's, like I said, there's like 50 philosophers in here, so I don't remember. So I wanted to visit some of the highlights. And yeah, you know, man was born free and everywhere he's in chains, he declares at the beginning of the, his book, The Social Contract. And then he talks about this thing called the general will. The general will, which right. Is basically, he says that is the general will in capital G, capital W, right? is whatever is best for the whole community or the whole state. So basically, the general will is not, you know, everyone says... They w- what they want, if you ask them, um, that's what R- Rousseau will just call like the will of all. Like if I ask you what you want, you'll say whatever you want, and that's the will of all. But he said in contrast, the general will is what people ought to want. So hmm. what would be good for the whole community, not just for each person
1: right. within it thinking selfishly. Correct. He says that in order for this to work, there's the individual liberties that we're all born with as free men and... You know, but then you have to look outwardly if you're going to, you know, live in a community and consider what will be best for everyone in the the community, not just for yourself. And he was saying that laws, the way that laws should be enacted
0: are laws should basically declare ways to avoid being
1: selfish. Right.
0: In, In some, I'm... Paraphrasing, yeah, no, no, no. shitty. That, but that is ultimately kind of like to the, every law should be as like, hey, don't be a selfish asshole. Mm-hmm. Like, think about other people. Be generous. Be courteous. Right. You know, we're we're all in this together. We're
1: living in the same society. Yeah. He made like, a very interesting, and this speaks to him as a philosopher to this point. He made a very interesting point to, in in my opinion, that you know, because we tend to think that we as human beings have like uh, this innate goodness in us, but what makes us moral creatures is our ability actually to ignore our natural instincts and consider what would be best otherwise than just to, you know, feed into what you want to do in the moment. What makes us moral is our ability to to reflect on a situation and consider a rational solution rather than, you know, the one that you want right in this moment as like, you know, my instinctual reaction. Yeah. So, and I always thought like, oh, that's interesting. Like, Like you almost need a community to be moral. That was his argument. He's saying to he 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 described that you know much like a relationship. It's analogous to that. Like for you to live in a society, a successful one, you have to sacrifice certain certain individual liberties for the greater. He called them civil moral freedoms, Mm -hmm. the superior freedoms. He called them, and it's like being in a relationship. Where like there's great things about being single there's a whole you know list of things you consider pros about being single but if you enter a good relationship you have to sacrifice some of those things you would have if you were single in order to be in this successful where and two people together in a relationship can accomplish you know in these modern times home ownership a family Uh, financial stability like it's much easier to create those scenarios for yourself if you're working with someone else and he's like think about the community that way if we're all together in this right like and what I liked about the book is he explained why monarchies and aristocracies were the thing for such a long time he explains how the first societies were the family there's the parents and the kids right and children have an innate and, uh, instinctual, um, uh, desire to follow their parents, right. And look up to their parents and look to them for guidance and look to them for a means to accomplish certain things for themselves. The thinking was that if you branch that out broadly enough, you know, the parents became the Kings and the Queens and the children became the common people. And that right. relationship never really changed where like they were the, the the last word on everything. They run the show and we all look to the monarchy to sh- to tell us what to do, to for, to make the laws, to figure out how things are going to run the, the smoothest way. But as time went on with those, as centuries went on with that, there became, you know, obviously, you know, uh, financial, like there was a big wealth gap where they had everything and everybody else was basically in living in poverty that's just human nature. And eventually people started to go like, you know what? This isn't working. This just yeah. isn't working out. Is it like we need something else to another way to live in a society where everybody can be more on a level playing field. And then people like this guy came along and this book was actually banned in France and other places because, and you got to read the banned books, dude, yeah, always read you the did. banned books because they're good. Yeah. You know? So they were banned because, you know, kids are all of a sudden reading about how the King's, not uh, part of a natural hierarchy that people like Hobbes would talk about. They're actually just like you and me. They don't possess a godlike wisdom. They're no more special than I am. So why do I have to listen to him? So obviously this book got banned because they didn't want this whole thing. And it's funny because they banned it for a reason because this is the kind of thing that inspired Napoleon, inspired the, the Enlightenment revolution in general just this kind of thinking to get this old way of doing things out. Yeah. And that's, what's interesting about reading
0: this book is throughout history, you get all these profound thinkers who had different kind of different ideas about how the individual was supposed to flourish and how the society was supposed to flourish. And you had these guys who had, they stuck to their ideology in a way, but it it moved the conversation forward of like one person, for example, would think everything you do in life should be about the individual prospering. So you should do everything that makes you feel better or right. that enhances your well-being. And then the next great thinker would, would come along and basically debate or challenge their ideas and say, no, what's best for the individual is what's best for the group. So we should try to purpose everything around the group, basically, mm-hmm. and make sure everyone has you know equal opportunity or equal right. um, advantages in life. And it was just interesting to see over time these ideas mesh and, you know, you know, collide. Um, and over time you get better and better thinking. And it's really cool. It's like, I kind of want to go back and read some of those, some of those books, you know, that we learned about in like history class and they'd be be on like pop quizzes of like, you know, Machiavelli wrote like the Prince or like, um, some of the pamphlets back in like the days of the American revolution. I, I, I don't remember who the, who the big guy was who wrote like some, really amazing pamphlet in the revolution, but like a famous one. We we know all the names of them. Yeah. But it would be cool to go back and read some of them. It might be difficult with like the ye old English and stuff, but it's just cool to think about how people were thinking in that time and what ideas were so new and revolutionary that literally a whole country was founded off.
1: Yeah. And it's 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 relevant today. Like it's even though it happened a long time ago, <clears throat> it's relevant because the reason for a lot of the political discourse and a lot of the political, uh, you know, confrontations that take place now, was already foreseen by Rousseau. Like he was like, "Look, there's going to be issues with this. Like, for example, minorities. Like, there's always going to be in any situation where there's a lot of people the minority, mm-hmm. whether it's because of their religion or because of their class or because of their ethnicity, whatever it is, someone's going to be left out, and we're." But the, the the idea was, we we need to do this regardless, and figure that out along the way. And it's almost like we're there, kind of now, where like they were like inevitably this is going to hit a wall, where people are like like this. Unfortunately, these days there's no acknowledgement for the success, the insane success that this system has brought to the world, in general. But they knew about all of these things that were going to be wrong with it too. It's just that sometimes you can't have everything in that. Like, would you rather have a king and a queen or would you rather have a say? Would you rather at least have the vote? Would you rather... Like, it's it's hard to make everything work perfectly. And that's, again, how, because of those issues, Karl Marx, Engel, when they wrote the Communist Manifesto, the next century, it became such a big deal because they were like, well, this is how we're going to address those issues. And then they got rid of, like, you know, the work... I mean, not got rid of, but they tried to unite the workforce and all that. So that the minority of the people would be in control and everybody would be on a more, even more level playing yeah. field. But then again, like they took it too far. <laughs> and a lot of those ideologies and theories led to a lot of bad things. Yeah.
0: The cool thing about this book, again, a little history of uh, philosophy is that it goes in order of, of time. So like it's I said, it starts with, so it starts with uh, Socrates and ends with Peter Singer. And it says like, you know, the three biggest foundational shifts in human discovery were basically Copernicus, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, the earth revolves around the sun the second one was Charles Darwin and the theory of evolution. And then the third one was uh, Sigmund Freud and like psychotherapy, mm. the, the ability to analyze your thoughts. So it has all those guys in there, but it also has all the political thinkers too. Right. Um, and one that actually I found really interesting. Most of them I'd heard of, you know, all these famous names you, you've heard of, you don't really know a ton exactly. about. So it's cool to just spark notes, their stuff. But one guy who I really liked to read about was uh, this guy, John Stuart Mill. Um, and he was around in like, you know, the 1800s, 1806, 1873, and he was essentially like the first libertarian thinker. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't remember because I, again, there were so many people, so I'll read some of the highlights that I have in here. Um, but one thing he says is like, in the right circumstances, human beings flourish and that produces good consequences, not just for the individual concerned, but for the whole of society, it maximizes happiness. He says, every adult should be free to live as he or she pleases as long long as no one else is harmed in the process. Mm -hmm. And like he's the first guy to like say that, you know, like that's one of those things. He thought that greater happiness would come from individuals having greater freedom in how they behaved. And that was like revolutionary. Right. He's like, because think about monarchies, kings and queens. If the people are free all hell is going to break loose that's what they think but he's actually the first person to say no the more individual personal freedom you give to each person the more that actually advances you know creativity inventiveness community um because people are more free to pursue what they want and it actually improves the economy and improve, improves the well-being of society um and he hated what he called the tyranny of the majority which was the way that social pressures work to prevent many people from doing what they wanted to do or become. Yeah. So like, it was just really cool. Like he seemed to me like the most, um, like a guy who would be around today Mm -hmm. and those ideas would still be kind of like populist in a way where people would, people would rally around that message. And like you said, like we don't acknowledge enough the success of all of these, you know, the ideas that we've adopted from these great thinkers, like, Like Socrates, like Montesquieu, like Machiavelli, Rousseau. Um, And what's cool is we're always trying to improve. We're always trying to get down to the bottom of it and do like mental calculus of how can we be better. And I think that is, you know, if there's one thing that it seems like human beings were kind of made for, Mm -hmm. it's really constantly innovating, constantly finding new ways. We're never satisfied. Look at the iPhone. Like every year we need a new, more faster, more efficient, like cheaper. We're always trying to innovate.
1: And that includes the ways of thinking, the way right. society and politics are formed. We're always trying to do something. Dostoevsky said, "If even if there was, he goes, even if we ever do get this perfect society, the first thing we're going to do is fuck it up <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. we want to do something. Yeah. We, we want to work something on something. To, yeah. We need something to fix, something to make better. We're like the
0: girl you who know? always goes for guys that they they want to fix. Yes, right. Like yes. that's what we are as a society. Like right. we always want to fix something, something. Right. Like we'll never, yeah, we'll never be satisfied. No, we will never get to a
1: point. Right. And
0: that's a good thing. It we'll is. never
1: get to the point where we go. Ah, perfect. Done. We're all done for eternity. Yeah, we're done. Yeah. and it's interesting. You mentioned Mill. I didn't read him yet, but like it seems what he did was because um, Rousseau. He his acknowledged, book. His book, by the way. Sorry to cut you
0: off. His yeah. book is called On Liberty. On Liberty. Okay.
1: So in the Social Contract, he acknowledges the fact that you know the individual, you know, wants to have as much freedom as possible, and he says though that the, the problem is is that a lot of the time what what your instinct is. Even if it's a moral thing to you, it is. It can be contaminated for your own bi- from your own biases, from your own personal experiences with things. So he asked basically the people of the society in this hypothetical society to consider the general will, and that's the idea of the general will. Is that like you won't think inwardly, you'll think outwardly, and not. You'll sacrifice, like I talked about, your individual freedoms and liberties for the greater, superior civil and moral freedoms that we will all share together. Civil and moral, moral freedoms, like, for example, in a modern, you know, in a modern way of putting it, 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 gives, it gives a possibility for things like property rights. Because, like, in the natural world, in your natural freeborn you know, freedom... You have your possessions, like whatever you're holding in your hand. Things like property rights and intellectual, like you know, property. Those things can't exist unless we're all on the same page as far as like what's moral, what's good, what's right and wrong. The fact that you can own a plot of land, like remember when like uh, there's that famous story of when we bought Manhattan from the Native Americans and they thought we were joking, yeah, because they didn't know that a human being could own land. That makes no sense, right? But we're coming from this place of Thinkers like this and these kind of revolutionary thoughts and uh, political theories. And, you know, that can only exist ownership of a car or something like that that you can't hold in your hand because like back in the day someone would just it was it was a uh, might doesn't equal right was the big thing at the time like mm-hmm. if you could take something from someone then it was your right to have it because they should have been stronger they right. should have been able to yeah, defend yeah. themselves something like that but now there's you know there's a possibility at least for growth and like wealth to, to, to generational wealth to exist and things like that so it sounds like mill took it in the opposite direction of, well, if we just trust everybody, because Rousseau was worried that if we did what Mill was talking about, and Karl Marx brought it to another level as well, then the individual would become so involved with themselves that they wouldn't care about the community anymore if they had every freedom to to do whatever they want. So I feel like nowadays we're in a situation that's more Rousseauian in that, you know, you have your freedoms, but you can't do whatever you want you know like right. like for example in situationally murder you and you and i could both consider killing somebody if someone kills your whole family it would seem like it's a it's perfectly sound to kill them too but that's not the way we do it in the judicial system here right i mean people get put to death but you're not allowed to seek vengeance on someone until they've been proven, and even when they are proven guilty, they go through the system, the rehabilitation system, right? They go to jail, they go to prison, they they suffer in that way for what they've done. And we've considered, we've 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 concluded as a society over time that that's the moral right thing to do in any situation. Yeah, I mean, like it's really complicated shit, right? Working out a society, but and everyone's got different opinions and. You know, but and and now I feel like we're kind and it made me wonder when is the next book going to come that someone writes, some modern day philosopher that goes, no, 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 this way it doesn't work. Let's do it this way. Because there seemed to be, during that time, I mean, like, you know, it's funny, you look up these people, it always says, like, I looked up Hobbes and it was like um, a writer, poet. Um, philosopher political theorist uh, senate member uh, or uh, uh, a diplomat rather lawyer and you're like okay so people just were they did the everything. arts and were, were different then yeah, like yeah. people really cared and pursued those things and i think that happens now but maybe it's just the the, the water is muddier like there's it's it used to be just only elite thinkers and this is what Nietzsche was afraid of when the printing press got invented he was like what everyone's gonna read now <laughs> everyone's now so a writer any asshole can read a book right that's yeah. not right you know so I guess that's kind of what ha- it's like with Pro Tools technology now like anybody can make an album does that necessarily mean that every album that gets made is good no yeah. You know.
0: But but that brings up a good point of yeah, where where do, where does the next great
1: like where do you think it would from? go? What would you change? And you know what I think and this you know?
0: this might sound a bit ridiculous to think, but I actually think it's going to come from podcasting. Right? Because right. because I think and it's going to come from this podcast in particular. Yeah, but, <laughs> but I you think... You never know, man. I mean, I think it's as revolutionary of a form of media as the printing press. Right. Because it allows people to broadcast their opinions and virtually face no repercussions for... If, obviously, people can still get canceled and everything, but like I... I'm not saying Joe Rogan will be looked at as, right. as like in history. Yeah. They'll talk about Jean the Jacques Joe He'll yeah. be in history textbooks of the Joe Rogan experience. But like things, I mean, he really was the pioneer in being able to have long-form conversations. Right. So he kind of invented almost a form of like a book that had never existed before. Now he he is producing a digital footprint of three-hour conversations with the histories greatest, most successful people. Mm-hmm. And it may not be Joe Rogan per se or any of his guests, but it might be the someone... the act of podcasting. The act of being able to, to think through things for hours on end and discuss them and have them, uh, you know, have them kind of def- have to defend them against other people who are questioning them. I think that is kind of where it's coming from. I don't know if it's going to be a book necessarily right. that someone comes out right, with or an right. article that mm-hmm. changes... History. I think it's more so the form of podcasting because I heard a quote from, uh, Patrick bet David, where he said he was talking about pros versus amateurs and how it's usually the amateurs who actually end up doing the breakthrough things in society over right. time. He said, pros built the Titanic. Look what happened there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Am- amateurs built, you know, Noah's Ark. He said, pros built, uh, mainstream media amateurs built podcasting. Right. And like he, he provided- well, that's the
1: people that goes back <laughs> to the, the idea people, of the yeah. people in the Versoian sense, like the people should have the say, the people should make the difference. He actually so, says in the book too, once a government gets to a point that's tyrannical or, you know, it's not working out, it's actually our job now to refuse to take part in this system. And people talk about that. Like, you know, we should boycott the government and never, and just refuse to pay taxes and stuff like that. But in his theory, it, that is what comes next. Yeah. And I, you know? and
0: I think we're, I mean, I'm sure everyone who lives in a politically, you know, volatile time kind of thinks this, but I really do think we're only 30 something years old. So we don't have the context of, you know, decades of American history necessarily. But I really do think it seems like from other people, older people who talk to now is one of the most contentious times in our country's, Correct. you know, recent history in the last hundred years, at least. Um, I'm sure there's been plenty of other pivotal times, yeah, like, yeah, like yeah, you yeah, know yeah. civil rights and everything. But it really seems like now is kind of a breaking point. Of people are fed up, man. People are fed really up are. with the politicians that are being and offered the French to us. like to bring them back into yeah. this.
1: I mean, he wasn't he was Genevan by the way, or Swiss, however you want to look at it. But um, hugely influential, in, huge, hugely influential in France, and. The French, right now, have you seen those videos of the farmers just blasting diarrhea and manure all over the government buildings? (laughs) Because the taxes are too high on farmers. And they're literally just like, yo, like, we're literally going to cover you in in cow shit. Yeah. Because fuck you, you know? Like, they know how to do this, right? But like, and it doesn't always work out. But in the end, I think they just have more of an understanding that it really is up to the people. You know, like, we're very busy here. We're always going to work. We're always doing something. We're always heading to some other place or whatever. But. Not that French people don't do that, but like, you know, I just think they get it a little more as like far as like what democracy is, like what your role as a citizen is in this thing, you know? And getting back to where government might going might be going in a revolutionary sense with podcasting, I heard people talking about how, what about an AI government? Like what <laughs> about, like and, and this is Terminator kind of talk, right? This is like, you know, apocalypse coming, but... If you think about it, that way, I mean, at least you'd have a a way of, and again, I know it's like who controls the puppets, who who controls the people who control the thing, though. I get that. Who programs the AI? Who gets to do that, right? But maybe it could come from a whole collective digital representation of what we all want in a general, like a general will, kind of sense, and the AI will learn from that. And we've talked about Paperclip Galaxy and stuff like that on the show, but at least then... It, it wouldn't be like people can get out of control with corruption and get out of control with, um, you know, like uh, under the table handshakes between one politician to another or one corporate person to a politician lobbying, things like that. It might be the way it ends up going is that we just have AI kind of govern, make laws, enforce them and all that. Maybe it could go that way, too. I think,
0: yeah, um, it's a weird I mean, I think we're so we're in such early stages of AI that we don't really know what its capabilities are. But I think an AI-assisted government Assisted, is, is sure. probably something that realistically is, is in our future. Yeah. Like, it probably, if not already. Well, we're
1: all AI-assisted at this point.
0: And, like, what I think about what was interesting of the, this book, again, was the fact that when you think philosophers, you think Marcus Aurelius and... and Aristotle in robes and stuff, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. speaking to the like people. Like this only happened a thousand years yeah, ago. Speaking yeah. to the people on a rock, but like <laughs> when, yeah, <laughs> but, but but when you see, you know, like Hobbes uh, and uh, Alan Turing and, sure. and all these guys, you realize like, oh, philosophy isn't just thinking about thinking. Yeah. It's not it's, just
1: pondering your
0: orb. Yeah. It's not it's, that. It's really about exploring and navigating human nature, mm-hmm. and why we do what we do. And like, what purpose do we serve? Which I think is really interesting, and I think like an AI-assisted government could perhaps take all of these philosophies of, right. of, of history's greatest thinkers, observe through data that's ingested into the AI opinions of people, how people actually not opinions of people, but rather behaviors of people, right. and analyze it through data, right? Yeah. Aggregate the data of people, make predictions, make predictions about what rather than these freaking, you know, Siena College polls, like, have you ever taken a poll in your life? I've never done. Right. So like, they say, Oh, polls are indicating that America wants, you know, legalized weed. And you're like, Yeah, but who are you polling? And Mm -hmm. like, who's responding to exactly, whereas like an AI assisted could potentially I don't know how they would do this, uh, probably in some very creepy, you know, not privacy compliant way of gathering data and being like, well, based on all the aggregated data across the country. Right. It
1: could be like, what is, what is the average mean grocery that everyone, and they could work to make the prices of that particular thing, the lowest, something like that. Right.
0: Yeah. So it could, it could be more efficient and speed up decisions um, and assist in like some of these laws and like, do the people, you know, support sending $60 billion of aid to some country in, you know, Europe. Right. And like, it could, it could be able to influence decisions in some way. Correct. Maybe politicians won't give a shit about it. But right. I think if people are given access to that data, which that's also a huge decision, mm-hmm. um, it could be
1: really beneficial, but also obviously potentially dangerous. It's like fire. Exactly. Know? It's like fire. And, you know, getting back to the people making decisions part, like uh, there, there was never a part of, of the Rousseauian ideal that would have had... Executive, like this is where the executive branch came in. In that, like, that's the idea of the executive branch we have now. The people would have been part of that, it wouldn't have been elected officials, it wouldn't have been elected people, because even then. You know, there's a minority. He hated, like, the minority. Like, what he wanted to do, in my opinion from reading that, he wanted to just get rid of as many situations where there would be a minority as possible. So, like, when there's an elected official, that means someone didn't get who they wanted, right? And now that, oh, this guy's not going to vote for the things that I want. He's not going to push the laws that I think matter. So the people, but again, it's not realistic in that. Think about how big this country is. We all have jobs. We're all busy. Like, we can't go to the... Uh, we can't go to these um, community meetings all the time and all be heard and all that stuff. So this is where he kind of fell apart. There's a lot of Rousseauian, you know, people who, who, who didn't like him at all and thought that he had, his ideas were ridiculous and whatever. And the reasons are he, he did say things like uh, the, the way that this would work, the smoothest would be if a, community was uh homogeneity being part of it like everyone part of the same ethnicity the same religion oh that's touchy exactly it's like okay so now what there's gonna be like you know blacktopia chinatown white people live in this state like it's like the adjustment day kind of thing that i mean that's a chuck chuck uh, palanuck novel but um that is where the country ended up going was that like Every ethnicity lived in their, like, district.
0: Right. There's, like, pockets yeah, of... Yeah, there's, like,
1: pockets of... Just, just to avoid the cultural preferences, the, the whatever, the differences between people based on whatever, history and all that. And, you know, who knows if that would be the best case scenario. Obviously, in America, that didn't seem to our forefathers to be the best way to do things because, I mean, maybe... Look, everyone says that, you know, tear down those statues, they were slave owners. But realistically, those guys knew that this had to stop. Even then, even though they had slaves, they knew that eventually this is going to go away. It has to go away. Rousseau even talked some about of them, that. Some of them. Yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not I all mean, I'm sure some of them were horrendous. But, yeah, like, yeah. you know, the main uh, the principles were this has to go away, but we can't snap our fingers and end slavery. It's been around since the beginning of time. This is going to take decades, if not hundreds of years, for it to really go away. I guess it's a matter of what ideas need to go away now. Like the idea of ninety year old people being in Congress, that's gotta stop. Mm-hmm. Like that's gonna stop. Eventually that'll be like I feel like one of the main things in the future where, you know, what is that? Time limits, term limits, term rather. Limits, yeah. yeah, that should be the next thing.
0: Yeah, I mean there's a minimum age, right? Like you don't want someone who's right. twenty five running for president. Exactly. So you like in the same way, I don't want someone who's eighty five running for president. And there I want of- I want someone who is who has the just conviction hard work vigor and the energy and vitality to be able to handle that job and make those decisions and like what you see right now in our in our elections it's oh like oh my god dude just the opposite of that yeah. it's the south park you the, know the, the shit yeah. sandwich the shit, and they, yeah, uh,
1: the turd sandwich and the and the giant douche yeah exactly yeah. what's great is in that episode i believe it's the the giant to the giant douche gets called the giant douche no wait, the, the 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 turd sandwich calls the giant douche a turd sandwich. <laughs> and then the giant douche goes, Uh no, if you'll pardon me, sir, you are a turd sandwich. Like it's a very <laughs> funny because yeah, it's is is a turd sandwich. Right. It's a very it, South Park never misses. No, they're, so they're the best. They never miss. But yeah, it's very interesting shit, man, because like we talked about, it's the more things change, it's almost like the more they stay the same, you know? I mean, we're still in this endeavor to yeah. D- yeah The more things ch- You ever heard that? <laughs> You've never heard that expression? Of course the uh, Oh okay. Yeah. The more things change the more they stay the same. I mean like we're still figuring out this thing. And maybe that's just the human condition, you know, but yeah, and, and like there's some philosophers who who talk about that just like the human nature never changes,
0: so we should we should create rules in society But speaking that of effect
1: that, human but nature. Yeah. It doesn't, but the thinking about it does. Going right, back yeah, to yeah. the guys before Well, Rousseau, it's like I
0: said with like Freud, he was the first yes. person to be like your subconscious thoughts dictate your behavior some people are like huh right and like think about he said that what in the late 1800s or Mm -hmm. early 1900s and therapy hasn't started to become a normal normalized thing until the last 10 years
1: like that took 100 years yeah that planting a tree you'll never sit under the shade Right. right that whole thing um but the people before rousseau who had political ideas. And theories of their own, they they thought that the natural hierarchy was a real thing, like the king and queen were superior. Possessed godlike wisdom you'll never possess. And that was actually the way, because of the format of societies that people just assumed things were, like they must be so important, they must be- right. These people, yeah, like, but, ba- like back in the day when you yeah. had
0: like 13 year old emperors because right. they were just like the next surviving king exactly. the, And
1: the, people believed that that was real, they yeah. believed in natural hierarchy. It was called could
0: you imagine that just a kid like going through puberty and like leading yeah. this country? Right, he's just like, and fuck, we just and I... praised him like, oh,
1: he's he's Biden's son, he right. must be. He's rubbing his dick up against a couch in the <laughs> castle and he, he's making you know, sex tapes in the Capitol building, yeah. yeah, dude. The sex tape in the fucking can you believe this shit? I mean, it's crazy. I mean, like, again, we talked about it. Yeah, but you know
0: what? Like, the news cycle now is just so... I mean, oh, it always has been. But, like, when I see that, I'm not even shocked.
1: I wasn't for... so... No one, well,
0: I'm so, like, desensitized you know? <laughs> to some of these stories now that I'm just like, yep, all yeah. right, and flip the page. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, mortgage yeah.
1: rates are high again. Like, right, right. you know, it's yeah. just... Exactly. All right, well, I wanted to... I read your blog post about... um I forgot the title of it already. Time though. Confetti. Time Confetti. Yeah. I think that's interesting. Go uh, on. Yeah. So I was uh, I was listening to a podcast, I think, with Adam
0: Grant, who's a yeah. you know, a psychologist, uh, professor at Penn. He's written tons of great books. Um, and he talked about this idea of time confetti, which I'd never heard that term before. Yeah, I love it, though. And I kind of like perked up when I heard it. But it's basically this idea that... We're constantly with, with emails, texts, and, and social media where our time is constantly being sliced into these tiny pieces that we're not actually enjoying, right? Like if I'm talking to you right now and I get a text, all of a sudden I'm, I'm disengaged in the conversation and now I'm thinking about this text and maybe, okay, I'm not going to answer it now. I'll, I'll get back to them later. Okay, someone's in trouble, Whatever. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, now I'm going to talk back to you again, but I'm, it's this idea that's also called attention residue, which is basically, well, now my attention is divided. I'm yeah. thinking about that text and also trying to talk to you about Rousseauian <laughs> ideas. ideas, but like I can't focus fully on either. And he says now in this digital world where we have so many productivity tools and like all of these things that are available at our fingertips, our attention is almost never focused solely on what we're doing. Like our t- attention is always divided. Mm. And he said the average person checks their email 74 times a day, which is nuts. And on average, when you get interrupted by something, whether it's a text message or a phone call, and let's say you were working on a project and then you get a phone call and you answer it, it's a you know, dentist appointment, you got to go on average to get back to that task, to get fully back focus takes 23 minutes and think about the average, you don't even have to have to be an office worker checking emails. If you have a phone on you, it's almost natural. You're always going to be distracted in some way, unless you put it on airplane mode and you're fully focused. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was such an interesting concept that, you know, time confetti, like that's a very yeah, visual very, thing yes. to think about. And now, you know, I always try different ways, but like these phones are designed by literal experts. They go to like casinos to understand human psychology of how they can get you hooked mm-hmm. to, to get alerts and notifications and just like scrolling and make likability to make you never leave that app and be on your phone endlessly. So we like as individuals have to be prescriptive and intentional in how we avoid those notifications and how we avoid the time suck of getting sucked into it because if you're if it takes you twenty three minutes to get reengaged in the activity, you only have twenty four hours in a day. Like how many times you're getting sliced. Yeah. Your attention's getting sliced at least 10, 20 times every single day. And how how can you do your job effectively or do whatever task you're trying to do
1: effectively? Yeah. Attention is the new currency, they say. Yeah. And it is. I mean, like, obviously, like, I love those videos, for example, of people trying to, like, throw a straw across the room to let have it land perfectly on a needle that's sticking out of the (laughs) ground. And, like, what's great about that is that they almost make it every time. It's like gambling in that way. And those guys... I forgot the something brothers dude perfect or no, it's a different group of dudes, but like um, every video has got 500,000 likes Yeah, views is in the millions. Right. But think about the ads. I mean, if that's if if 500 at least a million people are looking at this every day, multiple times a day. I mean, like that is where Coca-Cola wants to put their thing or whatever. Right. And I mean, that's so old outdated, but like, yeah, I mean, that's the new thing everyone's looking at. So like, I wonder if there's anything we can do about that, though, because, like, I've always wanted to find if there's, like, a comprehensive study that's been done about the, 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 the general overall blanket of has social media and iPhones pros and cons, like... Think about, like, how many good things have come from it, how many lives have been saved because they needed an Uber or something and it was freezing and, like, they couldn't get home and, like, they needed a ride. And without the phone, they wouldn't have had the opportunity to do that and shit like that. Or, like, even learning certain things. Like, I just feel like I... You and I have the wherewithal to use our phones for a little bit better of the reason that the average person does. I mean, dude, the Candy Crush I see every yeah. damn day, and it's the same people just giggling, and they're on like level six hundred. It's, it's the people who walk directly into your chest when they're just like dude, head I down mean, on the phone. Yeah. Th- but we have to acknowledge that not everyone's doing that, but a lot of people are doing yeah. that. But mo- but some people are also using this to learn about. You know, Rousseauian ideology and like p- yeah, political duolingo, philosophy, another and like language, yeah, yeah, and like yeah, sure. So I wonder, like, is it all doomsday, or is it ultimately going to pan out to be a good thing? I wonder. You know, I think I have a theory that I just made up on the
0: spot that most like positive apps have a shelf life of positivity of about six years, right? Facebook first came out everyone could connect in college. Right. You could know what the person across campus was doing and you could message them and hang out and learn more about where they came from. Right. Six years go by the like button gets introduced all of a sudden yeah. suicide, depression, people comparing each other, Instagram, same thing. People first six years sharing pictures of, you know, their, their dog and like the the sunset, you know, seven year, seven, all of a sudden it's, it's, you know, porn is on. It's like, yeah you know, people just posting clips of random stuff all the time of videos of straws and everything. (laughs) And, uh, I'm not to say that's for, for all there's, there's obviously like there's entertainment. YouTube has an amazing shelf life of how long that's been providing positive stuff. But yeah, I think it's, um, you it's, it's on the individual. And I think a lot of people don't realize like these apps are basically controlling you when, when you're in these platforms, when you're on TikTok, when you're on YouTube, when you're on Instagram, you're being controlled by the app. Yeah. TikTok's especially. And and, and you may not think it, you can probably multitask pretty well for a reasonable amount of time, but that time suck of like 30 minutes, it's taking all your attention away. Yeah. And you forget what you were doing. You open up Instagram for like two seconds and you forget what the hell you were doing two seconds earlier. Yeah. And I think what you have to do is just be really mindful and like set, set traps for yourself almost like same thing with like junk food, right? Like out of sight, out of mind if, if there's Doritos on the counter, I'm going to eat them. Right. But if I put them in the top shelf behind the the, the boxes, I, I don't... So it's like I'm controlling my... Because I know my behavior is going to be to eat the chips. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with social media. If I set a time limit for 30 minutes on Instagram every day, or if I put my phone on airplane mode or grayscale or whatever it is, I'm basically controlling my future self. So you have to almost do favors for your future self right. to control yourself. Like this morning... this morning I wanted to write and yesterday morning I wanted to write (laughs) and there was two different, different, uh, ways I went about it yesterday morning. I wanted to write. So I did all these things that were going to get me in the right mood to write. And you know, I made a cup of coffee. I came upstairs, turned on the lights, put on a candle, put on a, a, a playlist to write. Um, you know, got all my tabs closed and opened up the writing document. And I was like, Oh, you know what? Let me, let me check my phone's notes tabs to see if there's anything inspirational in there that I can write about. And I did all these prerequisites before I actually got to the writing. And what I realized is like, Oh no, like I'm trying to procrastinate myself. And also I'm trying to like use other tools to help me be productive. Yeah. This yeah. morning on the other hand, put my phone in airplane mode, threw it on the couch and just got started writing. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was writing this article, I knew like I have to control myself and just turn off and eliminate all the distractions. And one thing I wrote in there was like the way to go about being more productive or reducing your time confetti is not to add more things, not to add another productivity app on your phone. It's actually to just eliminate. Just eliminate distractions. And that's how you can get more focused and be more engaged in things.
1: Right. It almost goes back to like social media, society, you know, what we were just talking about. You know, all these guys acknowledge the fact that you have to do your part as the individual here. You have to put in your effort to sacrifice things that you want personally for the greater good. And meaning that like, you know, you sacrifice certain things so that you would be in the mood to write you like you put things away and whatever. Oh, well, and that didn't work, but ultimately you just got rid of your phone and you just sat down and had the discipline to just do this thing. Right. Like that was the ask during this I mean, social media society. That's like the modern day version in a way like there's a whole world. There is societies on these apps like Instagram and TikTok and Twitter and stuff. And there aren't enough people doing their part in the way of not letting these things control you. You know, like they're using them for kind of selfish reasons, and they're getting their their endorphin releases through like you know Candy Crush and all that shit. But you know these th- tools are like I'm, I'm not trying to sound like you know you can you can read you know a Rousseauian novel on the, <laughs> uh, or, not, or or you know a, a, an essay on political philosophy. You can do. I'm not, not everyone's into that shit, but you have to be more. uh sacrificial it with your time, like with your phone. I feel like yeah. you have to just put it away sometimes. Just do it as Nike said, just <laughs> right. fucking do it. And it's difficult. Like
0: I man, I try to manage it every day, but like you just have to be really intentional. Like yeah,
1: you for, have to be for, intentional.
0: For example, what I wrote about in the article was like I, when I started working uh, in, in advertising, I prided myself on ans- right. answering emails right away and responding to slacks right away. And everyone was like, Oh Kyle, like you're such a fast responder. You're on the ball. You get everything done quickly, but I was burning myself out. I couldn't focus on big projects because I was just answering all these minutia emails all day. Mm. And after a while, my my boss told me, he was like, I only check my emails three times a day. And this is my boss who's like running a huge company, like so busy. And I'm like, how can you possibly do that? Don't you have a ton of important things? Like what if someone email, emails you at nine and you don't check it for three hours? And he's like, if it's important, they'll call me. Right. Like nothing is urgent enough that it has to be responded to right away. And that changed my philosophy where he said like, yeah, it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable. You're going to lose that reputation of being a fast responder, but like you're basically training the people you work with that. Oh, like he'll respond to me in a few hours, but Mm -hmm. maybe not right away. And that's a way to take back your your freedom and your time. And I kind of do that. I call it batch processing, which is basically like setting aside a specific time or block to do the annoying shit. Right. So like I, like when you text me, sometimes I don't answer for an hour. Right. And that's because I'm like, no, I hear the ping, but I'm like, no, now's my working time. Once that hour is up, then I'll look at my phone and I'll answer all my texts and check social media for 15 minutes, whatever it is once that 15 minutes or so is over, put my phone down, I'm back to working for an hour mm-hmm. and it's really hard to do because you might get important phone calls or important texts, but it's just a way to try to just be more intentional in how you allocate your time. Yeah. And it's hard to, it's a fine line between being like robotic about it,
1: but being like disciplined. Um, and it's tough. I, I struggle with it. every yeah, day. Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's that phenomenon. Like the 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 more you try to prevent something, the more likely you are to cause it. Like you can take that out of control and basically, you've created an even more rigorous yeah then schedule in your life. Your, your, your and time and is now you're stressing yourself out about fifteen your time increments restraints. increments. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah no. which I've also <laughs> done too. Yeah. I've been guilty yeah. of
0: that myself, and it's it's very tough. But really, like I mean, every fucking self help book or business book, like most of it. Most successful people, it comes down to like, how much can you focus your attention? And if you can do, if you can focus your attention more than the average person on one specific thing, one skill, uh, one, you know, business opportunity, you'll be more, you don't have to be the smartest person. Mm. Like, you know, the, the billionaire list isn't necessarily full of Harvard grads. It's more so full of people who focused maniacally on one thing. Right. And what the self-help thing I was saying was like, most self-help books come down to just being fucking present yeah, and being engaged in something. Yeah. And the people who are most successful are the ones who find their skill, what they're really fucking good at and what feels like play to them because they can just go 24 hours straight, no sleep and like focus on something. It's really hard to do. Like have you ever tried just
1: staring at a wall for like, Thirty seconds. Pretty, yeah. It's pretty tough. It's really hard. Yeah, it's pretty tough. It's really hard. It's it's harder than you th- it, and it takes a lot longer. Like thirty seconds is a long yeah. time, you know. And
0: you, it makes you. It's like when you try to meditate for the first time,
1: you realize, yeah. like, holy
0: shit, how many thoughts yeah. am I engaging in in my head in a thirty second time
1: span? It's wild. Mm-hmm. I was gonna ask you before we wrap up, um, since it's the end of the year, and it reminds me of what I was gonna say about myself. I was gonna ask just a wrap up question of. Shout out to Uncle Joe for all these like, you know, Joe's couch. Yeah. Joe's couch, baby. I love it. Um, What have you learned about yourself this year? Ooh, I would say the biggest thing I've learned
0: and improved on this year is I started taking therapy, which I talked about. And the biggest thing that I've really has improved my life drastically is really just the ability to pause Hmm. before I do something even if it's two seconds to pause before I say something to pause before I act on an impulse to pause before, um, you know, I I do any activity because I think what therapy has taught me is so much of our lives are driven by just our subconscious thoughts our impulses, things that we just like learned through childhood. And we thought were, you know, the, the normal ways of doing things and you don't realize how much you're just being driven by your subconscious and you're not actually like actively making, uh, decisions yourself Mm, mm -hmm. with full autonomy. Sometimes you're just being, you're almost being driven on autopilot. Like you're doing default things and not being smart and present and intentional in how you say things. So now I've really tried to, when I feel something, if like someone insults me, and usually I'd be just like, ah, whatever, like water off my back. Now I actually try to pause for two seconds, notice, all right, where am I feeling this in my head and in my, in my heart and my gut making decisions or something and actually notice the feeling of like, Ooh, that actually stung a little bit, or Ooh, that made me angry or that made me happy, whatever it is. Mm. And to act on it in a way that is a decision I'm making and say, Uh and like, I'll say it to the person like, Oh, you know what? That actually hurt me a little bit. Or, wow, I love that you said that. Or, you know, and like actually being more engaged. And I think, you know, people have noticed it and I've noticed it more in my relationships have gotten better. Um, I've just been able to be smarter in my decisions Mm -hmm. and not act on impulses.
1: You know, we talked about this before, but that I said, and Rousseau said, he put it this way. That's what makes you a human being, is your ability to do that. Yeah. Not to act on your guttural instinctual reactions, and to think for a moment, and to go, "What would be the best case scenario from this? Like, how can I act, regardless of the way I feel like?" And you know, just kind of, you know, reaming this person out, and or telling or screaming at them, "Fuck you," whatever your ability to do that is what makes you a moral being a human being is your ability to be able to do that and he wanted to base the society on that particular characteristic isn't that interesting yeah and my my therapist
0: calls it like uh investigating your beliefs like actually like pretending you have like a magnifying glass and you're like sherlock holmes and like actually investigating when you feel something let's say let's say you get a like phone call from your mom or something and you, you hang up and you're like annoyed for some reason um, or you want to say something that, you know, whatever And in actually investigating like, wait, why, why am I feeling this right now? Like what happened? Mm-hmm. What did, what am I saying to myself? And like just pausing to investigate those feelings right. and being like, is that true? If so, is my feeling valid? And it, it sounds like hokey pokey, but like it really, uh, has improved the quality of my life and like made me more at ease yeah. in that piece of my decisions. That's good. How about there, yourself
1: what I learned about myself this year because and what what you were just talking about brought it up is I uh I always thought that I had ADHD or adD or something like I don't know why I thought that I guess because like I'm a certain way and I can be like a knucklehead but I can I learned this year because I've been quite busy with the show and other things that I'm doing with this kind of thing and like having a daughter and all that, I'm actually quite capable of focusing on one thing and I can do it for a long time. Like even when I come home and I I only have, you know, two and a half hours with my daughter on like weekdays sometimes, I mean, I can just focus, I can put everything away and just play with her for that amount of time and eat with my wife and her at the table and... Really be present, you know, and maybe I wasn't always acting that way, but maybe having a kid, it's something that you go, this is worth my time and focus. Like this is really worth it. And then that teaches you how to take that, um, way of treating something that is requiring your attention with, with, with purpose. Like you can really, she's taught me how to like put everything else away. Like you, like we talked about time management a little bit, like, I maybe I did have a little bit of issues with that, but I've learned that I'm actually quite capable of doing that. I always thought that I was like, that was like a big obstacle for me, but I don't know if she changed me or if just growing up maybe, but it's, it's nice to know what that, that that's in my arsenal. You know, I can really just kind of focus on shit. And, um, yeah, that was a nice thing to learn about myself. It's a little like alleviating. Yeah. You've you've
0: talked about that before on like, you didn't know you had the ability to to do some of those things. And yeah. it's like a challenging thing that yeah. kind of makes you rise. It's the responsibility, right? Like yeah. you rise to that occasion. Right, right. I heard. uh, You know,
1: I just want to say to this. I'm sorry. Don't forget what you read. You heard something. Yeah, I got it. it? I got got it. Okay, thank you. (laughs) But there are guys I work with, right? Like they see me reading books and stuff like that, and then they'll. They're very. They're really nice about it. Like they're like, "That's really cool. Like, can you read me something from that?" And then sometimes I'll read them something, and they go, "Man, that just sounds like jargon to me. Like I have no clue what you just said. If I had to read that, I would definitely have to go back from the beginning and just reread it." And I said, "I said like, you know." You can do whatever you want. You know that, right? Like, unless you're like a woman or retarded, you can learn anything you want. But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, but, you know, like, oh, you, do. don't cut yourself short, man. There goes our sponsorship. Yeah, no, 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 but I'm joking. <laughs> come on, it's the holidays. I'm joking. Dude, come on. That's fucking... That was good. Um, I think the first NASA engineer who put one of the men on the moon was a woman. I'm not... I'm joking. But, like, anyway, you know... Uh, don't sell yourself short. Don't be afraid to change. Like just because you grew up in a, in a in a house where you weren't necessarily the smartest kid in the world or whatever, like a lot of people suffer from this kind of like false idea of who they are. They hear words like from this book and they go, oh, I could never understand that. Right. It's like, of course you can. Yeah. Just give it the focus and attention it deserves. You can do anything you want, man. Yeah. And I think you know? people I think people
0: like to self-identify with some of these like diagnoses now of like, oh, I, I have ADHD or I have OCD. Yeah. They yeah. like it. They're like, I have, no, I'm, I have it's depression. not my fault. I have something, you know. Yeah. And I heard Dr. Gabor Mate. He talked about ADHD and he was saying like a lot of people used to think it's like a chemical imbalance of some sort or it's a disease. And and his, his idea or his thought, I don't know if this is a theory or if it's been proven, but um, he basically said like when you're a kid and, you know, something happens, you have two responses, right? It's fight or flight. He said there's actually a third response, which is disassociation. Yeah. Right. So when you see your parents fighting and arguing in the kitchen, you can fight or, or, or leave. Right. The other one is actually just disassociation, which is watching it happen and almost like tuning out. And that's what ADHD A lot of them tune out when they're in school. Right. Yeah. But really, it's because it's not interesting to them. It's mm-hmm. not something that they want to engage in. So you disassociate from it. Yeah. And like in your case, maybe there was things growing up that you thought you had ADHD because you just didn't care about them actually. Yeah. But it's when you find something that you truly care about and you can pour yourself into it, you can focus for days when it's something you actually care about. And I experienced this sometimes with things of myself where I thought I was like, do I have ADHD? Cause like I couldn't focus yeah, at yeah, 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 something yeah. for work. Right. And I just like could not focus on it. Yeah. But it's really just like, Oh, I don't really have like, a, a love for it yeah but if it's writing or if it's doing this podcast or reading like i could fucking i could read for a yeah. for a whole year with no problem no focus but like watching a tv show sometimes mm. i like I'm, i tune uh, yeah. out
1: well but, 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 like yeah people have said to me though like oh i, I can't read oh i can't no no i can but i i can't yes you can you just have to give yourself that month of doing it every day with diligence and focus yeah. and you will become a a better reader you but again will. but
0: again some people may not like Rita. right and but, maybe here, maybe for, well maybe for them i'm saying yes like for me i don't really like watching movies or tv shows i for some reason i
1: don't have the attention span for it yeah uh, in this particular case i'm talking about people who have said i wish i could read i just can't i'm oh, like yeah, yeah. no you can because i thought the same thing and then you just do it and like you just you get better at anything like anything else you get better and you can do it I you think
0: know? so a perfect example and I'll, I'll end on this um, but I actually just started doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. You're kidding. I did. Yeah. Oh god. So, it was a matter of time honestly. An- another <laughs> fucking another fucking hobby another like Joe Rogan uh, you yeah, know thing but I'm adopting. Really. But uh, give it, me 5 minutes on it. It ties essentially into what we we're just talking about which is for me the thing I learned this year was like the ability to pause and like think and think rationally and for you it's kind of the ability to focus on things you care about, right? Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to me and sorry for Joe Rogan listeners or, yeah. or wives of Joe Rogan listeners yeah, who've yeah. heard this spiel, but like I started it a week ago, so I'm oh. very new to it. But immediately you, you see one, it's fucking challenging Two, you really have to think quickly on your feet and make decisions like 10 moves in advance. So you, again, you have to be intentional in your thoughts and how you move your body because there are, physical consequences to it. You might get choked out. Mm-hmm. You might get your arm twisted or your leg broken in some way. So it's, it's, again, it's, it's one of those techniques that's really taught me a lot about, again, i have been doing it for a week, but it is, uh, it is a, such a valuable tool, a skill set, not just physically, like sure. I hope to eventually be like a black belt and be able to kick anyone's ass, but it's more so about one becoming better about at something that I suck at, and I'm probably for the first six months, I'm just going to be getting choked out every mm-hmm. single day and it's mm-hmm. going to suck. But eventually, once I get over that hump, I'm going to be so proud of myself for one, having been able to go through that shitty six months of discomfort. um, And, and secondly, for being able to face that every single day, show up, focus on it um, mm-hmm. and just learn. It's it's really to learn more about myself, honestly. Yeah. You learn so much about yourself in an hour and a half class of having to defend yourself against someone literally trying to harm you in some way.
1: Yeah, well, um, like like I mean, we t- we were brought up Rogan, so he used to, he says it's chess with dire consequences. It's exactly that's what, it feels what he like. said. It is. It
0: feels like if you've ever played a game of chess, of course, that is exactly what jujitsu feels like physically. Mm. It's just you're having to make like someone's got your arms pinned, and you're thinking. Okay, if I do this, he'll do that. If I do this, he'll do that. Mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. you're thinking of all these different things, but you have to do it in rapid time. Well, that's a really time. exciting
1: new endeavor, man. That's it's cool. Awesome. Yeah, it's is very it cool. is the studio local? I'm just curious. So, uh,
0: our mutual friend Keith, he joined yeah, one yeah. the next town over and uh, I told he started it a few months ago and I was like, "Yeah, I've always wanted to do it." And he's like, "Well, come to a class with me tomorrow." And that's I, awesome. I I'd been to a few like introductory classes in Long Island City and in Manhattan, but they were like legit like MMA. Yeah, Jitsu yeah, yeah. ones and I was so intimidated and I was like fuck this this is so hard and this is the first one where it was like you know all people kind of like us everyone's a white belt everyone's just like working a normal job and just wants to learn jujitsu um so it's way more low stakes um but yeah I just I got a really good feeling that first class and I was like you know, I was like, another fucking hobby that I'm going to go down the rabbit hole Dude, of.
1: <laughs> but, therapy, ice baths, and jiu-jitsu now. Yeah. That's great. And fire department. And the fire department. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Forget so. it. Good for you, bro. That's a great year all right yeah. let's wrap it up let's wrap it up it's yeah. been a wonderful year it really uh, has we've
0: done 15 podcast episodes in what 13 months or something, something like, that. like that yeah uh yeah maybe. here's to a wonderful 2023 yeah. and happy holidays to everyone and a happy new year
1: happy wonderful new year happy christmas if you're english or british and merry christmas happy holidays blah blah blah, blah, blah. we'll see you next year with a couple of new surprises i believe a couple of new additions to the show maybe hopefully yeah. thanks for tuning in everyone thank you